0: Thank you. Hello and welcome to With the Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. Lizzie, how are you doing in the last half hour since we last asked each other <laughs> since we're recording two, po- two episodes at once today?
1: Well... When this airs, it'll be the end of August, which means that I will be, like, two days from moving into my new apartment, which is so exciting. And I'm going to live with my friend Kathy, who, Ooh. shout out to Kathy. She helped me with the Bridget episode because yes, she is Yes, you're going to have to do a
0: lot of Irish ladies now. You know what?
1: I'm going to invite her on the podcast. She She's great at talking. She taught me this um Irish word, is like, I think it was, like, plamas, which means mm. schmooze, but, like, not in a negative way. Like in a Ooh. more positive way, like you're good at like talking.
0: Like Blarney.
1: What does Blarney mean?
0: It's like when, you know, like the Blarney stone, you can convince someone of anything.
1: Yeah, maybe they're really, I don't know. I
0: don't know. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I'm moving in with her. And it's going to be a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. Does she have an accent?
1: She does indeed. She's from Dublin.
0: Okay, good. Then we can definitely have her on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, what if she didn't have an accent there, which is not allowed? I'd consider it. Okay. Anyways. um, Yeah. Oh, how are you? So that's exciting. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So in when this episode comes out, I will be moving back to school, which is exciting, but also scary because I've never done this podcast while I've uh... been in school. So I don't know how that's going to go, but we're going to figure it out and it's going to be fine. So that's exciting. <laughs> because
1: this was a bit of a quarantine yeah. project. Because we started like a year ago now. Yeah,
0: yeah. We. I mean, I think you probably came up with like the idea like a year yeah. ago. Yeah, we we'll s- can find it in the DMs <laughs> yeah. at some point. <laughs> Very um, exciting. Yeah. I think our
1: first episode was released in September. So.
0: Yeah, it was like September twenty. 20- oh, was it? Something. Okay.
1: Well, then we can celebrate yeah. the anniversary next month.
0: Yeah. Exciting. But luckily, Lizzie will not be in school. Yay,
1: so. graduating. But we'll still have that. But yeah, so Lizzie, who are we talking about this week? Today, we'll be talking about Durga, Ooh. the protective mother of the universe in Hinduism who battles the forces of evil.
0: Awesome. Sounds great.
1: Yeah, like you you knew that I was going to do a Hindu Yes, lady. because I um, – so
0: Lizzie <laughs> yeah. wanted to buy a book – about this lady. And could only send it to the U.S. Indeed. So she sent it to me in the U.S. And then I closed my eyes and shoved the book into an envelope <laughs> and sent it to Lizzie. <laughs> and yes. so I did not spoil who she was going to be researching.
1: Yeah. And this was supposed to be like five episodes ago. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, it's a shame that have never done like a Hindu lady before. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And but now you finally are. And it's going to be Durga. Yeah. And. I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too.
1: Okay, so do you know anything about Durga?
0: Um, I think she rides on like a leopard or something. Am I right about that?
1: You are very close. She like she rides usually on a lion, okay. or sometimes a tiger.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm sort of right because I was. It would be really embarrassing if you were like, no, she doesn't ride on any animal. What? <laughs> um, and there's like, I think there might be some love aspects as well as warrior aspects. But besides that, I don't know much about
1: well, her. Well, sort of, sort of not. Okay, kind of. Did. Okay, <laughs> so. All right, well, tell me. So, okay, so obviously everyone knows what Hinduism is. It's a super big religion. We don't have to go, like, super in-depth about the introduction. But Hinduism is an extremely old religion dating somewhere prior to 3000 BCE. And it's also remarkable for the fact that it has a tradition that has lasted from ancient times up until the present day. Mm-hmm. Many have even said that it's the oldest religion in the world. Though, I don't, I don't think we have solid proof of that. But I do think it's safe to say that it's the oldest religion that is still being practiced today. Yeah. Which is really remarkable, honestly. Like, it's very impressive. Yeah. Like, most religion is, like, old. But, like...
0: It's definitely, definitely up there for religions that are old and still
1: practiced. Yeah. It's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Hindu deities are known as devas, which means male god. But also the word Deva can also be translated as the divine and refer broadly to deities and devies, who are goddesses. Mm. Also, not really important, but still fun. The words Devi and Deva are related to the Latin words Dea and Deus, which mean God. And yeah, which is in French as "dia" and Spanish as Dios and also related to the English words divine and deity. Cool. And the word Tuesday.
0: There's some yeah, there's some Norse yeah, there's a
1: Norse way. god and his name his name was pronounced Tuse, so that's obviously where Tuse came from, but that came from the Proto-Germanic was, which was related to this there's, word. Yeah, there's a bit more and like Proto-Indo-European. Mm-hmm. It's many steps, but it's still fun. Yeah, still fun. Um, and that meant the god. Okay, so there is evidence of goddess worship dating back to the Indus Valley civilization, and then worship of a divine mother goddess transformed into worship of the three main goddesses of Hinduism, who are Lakshmi, Sarasvati, and Parvati. So worship of these three goddesses can be linked to worship of an ancient mother goddess, but the mother goddess figure is not worshipped separately, but rather manifests herself into the forms of these three goddesses. Interesting. Yeah, and so each of these three goddesses also has a multitude of other forms, each representing a different facet of the goddess, Parvati, who on her own is a god associated with fertility, love, marriage, and beauty, and is rather gentle in nature, also appears as a ruthless warrior Mm. named Durga. Really? Yes, so Durga is an aspect of Parvati.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, and like they are like separate figures, but also they are the same figure. Okay. So Durga is a major goddess in Hinduism associated with war, strength, destruction, and Protection. Mm. So, she's depicted with anywhere between eight and eighteen arms, each holding a different weapon, which you'll see why later. Um, mm. She has three eyes, the left eye represents desire symbolized by the moon. Her right eye represents action, symbolized by the sun. And her middle eye represents knowledge, symbolized by fire. And she's also typically depicted riding a lion or a tiger, Okay, as we established. Mm-hmm. So Durga is celebrated each year during the festival of Durga Puja, which is a 10-day festival of which the last five days are of significance, although I do think that varies regionally. Mm-hmm. And it is especially important in the eastern and northeastern parts of India, as well as in Bangladesh and Nepal. It's mm-hmm. celebrated in the autumn, typically during September or October of the Gregorian calendar and this year it'll be from the 6th to the 15th of October. Awesome. Yeah, it's like kind of interesting. One of the things I didn't actually put this in my notes, but one of the things that I read about it was that it's like during like a season where people are getting sick a lot, you know, it's during like flu season or whatever and okay. so it's like and there was like a belief that it, like if you survived like this autumn basically, then you would survive the rest of the year, which is um, like connected to Dorga being like a protector goddess. It's all very interesting. That's really neat. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I never think about, like, flu season as being, like, spiritual in any way. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so, time for some etymology. Oh. So, the word Durga means impassable or impenetrable, and it is related to the word Durg, which means fortress. Her name can be translated as she who is difficult to go against, with Dur, meaning difficult, and ga coming from gam meaning to go through or pass.
0: Really? That is fun. Yeah,
1: which I actually don't know if this dur is related to the French dur, which also means hard, but yeah, it could be. They're related. I mean, of. I was
0: also thinking of dur and door, but anyways. Oh really? Yeah. But that's well, I
1: actually don't know about that because dur means difficult rather Yeah. Than like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyways, yeah. I'm not the linguist. This is why. Anyways.
1: <laughs> I am, but I also don't know that. <laughs> anyway, so. Another explanation of her name goes sound by sound. Da implies the destruction of the demon. U represents the act of undoing obstacles. The Refa, or the beginning of the next syllable with an R sound, represents the act of dispelling diseases. Yeah. Ga represents wiping out the evils. And the final A represents rooting out fear of the enemy. Nice. So it's like an acrostic poem. In a way, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Which I think is kind of cool. Like each like letter or like sound rather than letter, because mm-hmm. it's a different alphabet, represents something different. Like that's very cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Anyway, so Durga goes by many names, as is the case for all Hindu deities. Hindu texts have historically used many epithets for deities, Mm -hmm. which serves the purpose of highlighting a specific quality or connotation that the audience should pay attention to. For example, she can be referred to as Vindhya Vasini, which means she who resides in Vindhya, referring to the fact that Durga lived in the Vindhya range after her birth. Hmm. Another is Durga Tinasini which means the one who eliminates sufferings. But her most famous epithet is Mahishasura Mardini, which means she who destroys Mahishasura. So the story that she's most well-associated with is that of her defeating the demon Mahishasura, whose name means buffalo demon. Mahisha means buffalo, and Asura means demon.
0: I feel like I've heard of this. Really? The name buffalo demon sounds familiar, but besides that, I don't actually know what's going to happen. But let's see if it rings a bell bell.
1: It's ringing a little bell. Okay, we're going to go into the story now. So, in the beginning of time, there was a battle between gods and demons, and the demons were defeated. DT, the mother of the demons, was very distraught by the loss and told her daughter to practice asceticism in a remote grove so that she could bear a son. The idea being that her asceticism would be rewarded by the son having special abilities. Fascinating. Yeah, because like being like super like devoted and like ascetic mm-hmm. is to like mm-hmm. you know good karma and all that and like yeah. potentially yeah. So her daughter took the form of a buffalo and lived in a remote part of the forest and practiced such strict asceticism that the three worlds trembled. It's very powerful. So the force of her asceticism was so powerful that the gods sent Suparshva, one of the chief sages of heaven, to go and talk to her. He told her that the gods would like to reward her for her penance. Thus, she will bear a son who will have the head of a buffalo and the body of a man. And he will be called Mahisha or Mahishasura. And he will be incredibly powerful and heroic. And he will oppress heaven.
0: Sorry, impress or oppress?
1: Oppress. Okay. Interesting. He will this is very interesting. Oppress okay. heaven. So Mahisha was then born and quickly grew in strength and power. I mean, remember that these are demons and they want to oppress heaven.
0: Wait, so they sent a demon to reward her?
1: No, like the person who's rewarding her is not a demon. Okay. Yeah, that that that's what but I then, thought. Oh, but then he, oh but then he's. but then he's saying like he will oppress heaven. Yeah, I guess it does sound a little bit weird. Anyway, though, that doesn't sound like a
0: reward be... is what I'm trying to say. But anyways, no, it
1: sounds like a like a prophecy, but like not a
0: positive one.
1: It's like, yeah, you're going to be rewarded by
0: having this great strong son. Also, he's going to like attack the gods or whatever. Like, Yeah, you know, actually. like,
1: <laughs> Well, anyway, uh,
0: anyway, yeah,
1: anyway, <laughs> maybe they forgot about it in a time. Well, OK,
0: maybe he meant Moving to on. say maybe he also thought he was saying impress and like Got maybe, I don't know. maybe
1: oppress has, like, dual meanings. I don't know. Like, in one way, it means, like, just be powerful. I don't know. Anyway, continuing. Mahisha was then born and quickly grew in strength and power. At first... Mahisha adhered to the gods and was faithful to them, performing penance and worshipping the gods for 10,000 years. Which, going back to all that, 10,000 years is a long time to, like, forget the prophecy of him oppressing heaven.
0: I mean, it's also a long time that, like, maybe they were like, oh, maybe maybe the prophecies don't. Yeah, don't true, <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, he was so ascetic that it didn't even matter. It was, like, time to reward him, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm kind of just saying things now. Anyway, so, Brahma the creator god, was pleased with his devotion and offered him a boon of one wish. What do you think he's going to wish for? All um, Brahma's power. You know what? Close <laughs> enough. So he said his only wish was to be immortal. But Brahma said that he can't grant him immortality. Mm. The only certainty of life is death, and death is a necessary step in the cycle of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And, like, only gods were allowed to be immortal, so... Mm-hmm. Thus, he could ask for anything... Besides immortality. Hmm. So Mahisha then wished that he could never be killed by a man, but only by a woman. Huh.
0: (laughs) He walked right (laughs) into that.
1: (laughs) I know. The idea being that no woman would ever be powerful enough to kill him, thus in his mind securing his immortality. Fascinating. I mean, we can kind of guess how that's going to end for him. Anyway, so Brahmic granted this wish. Once he had this wish granted, Mahisha dropped the pretense of devotion to the gods. His vanity knew no bounds. He sent the gods away from heaven to live in the forests. He abolished religious ceremonies. Rivers changed their courses. Fire lost its energy. And stars retreated from the night sky. And with Mahisha abusing his power and causing chaos, other demons kind of, like, came out from, like, you know, wherever. And they were like, oh, like, the gods are, like, not really in power anymore. And then they were like, you should conquer the gods. And so Mahisha called for a battle with the gods. Hmm. Yeah. So Mahisha could not be killed by any of the gods. So the gods and demons fought a vicious war for a hundred years. The gods were powerless against Mahisha, and he became the ruler of heaven.
0: Oh my. Yeah,
1: he threw the devas out of heaven and had the Devis do housework. Oh my gosh, this is pretty bad. I know, he's just messing up the order of everything and making the goddesses do housework. And so... Brahma then went to Shiva and explained the problem. Shiva said that neither Lakshmi nor Parvati would fight Mahisha, both being too gentle in nature. The two then went to Vishnu. Vishnu and Shiva were both so angered they took on a monstrous appearance such that none could look upon them. They both seethed with such powerful rage that the, their flames of anger transformed into a mountain, and the fire from their anger became a radiant female form. Durga.
0: Oh, so, wait, okay, so she already existed, but now she's being created again?
1: So she's, like, she is Parvati, but this is, like, a form of Parvati being birthed, you know? Oh, wait,
0: so, so, so Parvati was the mother of Mahisha? No, Parvati is
1: one of the three major goddesses. Wait,
0: but then who was the mother of Mahisha?
1: Um, the daughter of Diti, who didn't get a name. Oh, my gosh, I thought that was Durga for some reason. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, you know, this is the introduction of Durga.
0: okay. Okay, that makes so much more sense. But also, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be so dark. She has to kill her son." Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. No, they're not. I they're don't good. know where I got that from. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyways, everything makes a lot more okay, sense so. now. Okay. <laughs>
1: oh.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, "Wait, so... What Didn't she already exist?" <laughs> okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. Um. Well, in a way, she kind of did because she's a form of poverty. But yeah. anyway, and I think it's cool that she's like birthed. From like anger, yeah. Like what a cool way to be born. Yeah, well,
0: it's so interesting because everyone's always like, love makes more, love makes babies, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's like no, anger birthed. But you know, well, I mean, it does. Yeah, like anger. Yeah, and like fire and like, yeah. Oh, uh, so it's very cool. Yeah, like you know, anger can also be very fruitful as well. Yeah, yeah, clearly. So the different parts of her body came from different gods. Her head came from Shiva's energy. Her arms from Vishnu's. Mm. Her feet came from Brahma, her waist came from Indra, her hair from Yama, her breasts from Chandra, her thighs from Varna, her hips from the energy of the earth, her fingers from Surya, her nose from Kubera, and every other part of her body from the violent energy of a god. Thus, all the gods came together to form a god that was more powerful than any of them.
0: Wow. It's pretty cool. I know.
1: She's very cool. Yeah. And so then each god gave her a powerful weapon. Ah. As you remember from earlier when I said that she has a weapon in each arm or like in each hand. Mm-hmm. Um, So Shiva gave her a trident. Vishnu gave her a discus. Varana gave her a conch. Agni gave her a spear. Marat gave her a bow and two quivers of arrows. Indra gave her a thunderbolt and a bell from his elephant. <laughs> Yama gave her a staff. She was also given a noose. Um, Brahma gave her a string of pearls and a water pot. Surya gave her his own rays. He was the sun god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kala gave her a spotless sword and a shield. Vishvakarma gave her an axe and impenetrable armor. The mountain Himavat gave her a lion to ride upon. Mm. Or a tiger in some versions. And Kubera gave her a drinking cup, which would always be full of wine. Mm. Pretty sweet. This one's less of a weapon, but she was apparently, like, often seen drinking wine on the battlefield, so. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is kind of a cool trick, you know, having a drinking cup that'll always be full of wine. Yeah,
0: I mean, also to drink on the battlefield, like. So true. If you can't, if you got it, you can. You know? <laughs> like, if you have impenetrable armor, why not have some wine before you You go? know what?
1: Yeah, she should do what she wants. Yeah. In addition to weapons, they also gave her jewels. Shesha, the lord of the serpents, gave her a serpent necklace, and the milk ocean gave her an array of jewels, including a pure necklace, a pair of undecaying garments, and rings on each finger. Now armed with symbols of power from all the gods and major forces of the universe, she was ready to face Mahisha.
0: Sounds like it. Yeah.
1: So what happens next depends on your source. Typically, Mahisha catches sight of Durga and, amazed by her beauty, decides he wants to marry her. Hmm. Which I feel like is slightly funny because like, she's, like, on her way to kill him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he's just, like, underestimating women, you know? Yeah, I mean, again. I feel
0: like he's sort of like, oh my gosh, this woman's gonna kill me. But, like, if she's a woman, she can also be seduced, so I'm gonna propose to her.
1: Oh, I was thinking that he just, like, didn't realize, and he was like, oh, she's beautiful, and he can have whatever he wants, so he wants her as his wife. That's also possible, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so he sends a messenger to tell Durga about how amazing and powerful he is and ask her to marry him. But she refuses. Good. In one version, she says that there's a custom in her family that says that each daughter has to be conquered in battle by her suitor before they can be married. So um, in that way, she provokes him to like fight her. Yeah. Um, either way, he's compelled to fight against her in battle and brings a large army. Durga is equipped with her own army of female warriors and meets him on the battlefield. Awesome. Yeah. So Mahisha's army advanced using a variety of weapons, but Durga cut them all down easily. She used every weapon that the gods had given her. She pierced people with arrows, slashed people into pieces with her sword, bound people with her noose, etc., She captured Mahisha and flung her noose around his neck. He complicated things by switching between his forms, first in his buffalo form, then a lion, then a man, then an elephant. Durga tackled him to the ground and stepped on his neck while stabbing him with the spear, and he emerged in his natural form as a buffalo. She then cut his head off with her sword killing him
0: there we go the end yeah what do you think i think that's awesome i mean i just think it's a really awesome story of woman empowerment you know like yeah definitely it's and it's just like very cool because it's like you know he's like i want a woman to be the only one who kills me because i don't think a woman could kill me but also then all the gods like come together and are like we're gonna make this really awesome powerful woman and they don't like fight they don't really like fight against it they're like we need to do this And they help her, and they give her everything she needs, and then she goes and fights, and she does it, and she, like, nails it. And I just think it's cool.
1: Like, it's a nice story. Definitely. I mean, I think she's a very cool figure, and I also think it's cool that she's, like, she's so, like, battle-minded. She's, like, she loves fighting. There's other stories of her battling demons. This is obviously the most famous one, but, like... Mm -hmm. She's just a really cool, like, warrior woman. Yeah. she just, like, defeats demons.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I also think her being an aspect of the goddess of, like, love and Mm -hmm. being an aspect of that is very interesting. I've talked about this before, but, like, the duality of, like, love and war in so many different goddesses and different figures is really fascinating to me. Like, I talked about, of course, Inanna. And how people saw those as two sides of the same coin is just really fascinating to me. Yeah,
1: like they're not like opposites and they're not mutually exclusive. They inform each other. And they're just, like,
0: really powerful, like, probably the most powerful and influential forces in people's lives. That's so true. At the time when, like, when these goddesses were and are still being worshipped, they are incredibly life-shaping forces, war and love.
1: Definitely. And I feel like it all goes into the whole cycle, like, circle of life kind of thing, where it's, Mm -hmm. like, everything informs each other. Like, destruction and creation are, like, two sides of the same coin, and, like, love and, like, war you know yeah and so yeah i think that's really cool definitely yeah so the main thing that sticks out to me about durga is the way that her power and success rely on her being a woman mahishasura's wish revolves around the idea that women are weak and that such a strong figure as himself could never be beaten by a woman durga is created to circumvent his belief that all women are inferior to him and is precisely because she's a woman that she's able to defeat him in a way his misogyny acts as hubris Mm-hmm. He sees a beautiful woman who he wishes to marry and never expects that she is the one who will defeat him. In this view, being a woman is a strength in itself, and Durga's strength is tied to the fact that she's a woman and they inform each other. And it's I mean, her like the whole purpose of her is that she's a woman and that she's like gonna be like strong and like defeat mm-hmm. him in battle. Yeah. Which she would never expect. Yeah. Because he's a misogynist. <laughs> I feel like I don't reference Pitch Perfect. Do oh. you <laughs> oh. remember when they're in the booth and She's like, I would never, or the guy was like, I never expected it, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, yeah, that's because you are a misogynist. Right. <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I think that, again, that's just what's so striking about this myth is it's just
1: really like a truly yeah.
0: empowering story about a woman who's able to fight and beat this monster, this guy. Yeah.
1: And, and the fact that she's a woman is like important to her strength too. Yeah.
0: And it's like, it had to be her. And it was like, everyone wanted it to be her. And everyone helped her, and she, like, wasn't exactly, alone. Yeah. I mean, she was alone. And- she No, she wasn't alone, because she had an army of women, which is also yeah. awesome, you know? <laughs> like, it wasn't just, like oh, we have, like, you know, this one woman because we know that, like, he has to be defeated by a woman, whatever. And then, but we're going to send, like, an army of men to, like, fight with her. But it
1: was, like, no, she also had an army of women. Like, it was all about yeah, women. Yeah, like, it's pretty that's cool. Fun. I also think the army of women is really cool. And, <laughs> um, yeah, another thing that I read, I didn't put this in my notes, but, like, a lot of the gods were, like, at war with each other and she sort of, like, brought them all together for this, like, common cause, mm-hmm. which is also really nice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, like, all, like banded together and like helped her like gave her weapons and they all like believed in her <laughs> yeah. yeah it's really nice she like
0: hyped them all up together and I think it's yeah. really nice too because it's sort of like I mean it's sort of like this is a little gender roles issue again but like the woman as the uniting force in people's lives you know like there are so many stories definitely like, yeah like women bringing people together and like that again gender roles but like I feel like that is present in that story yeah I don't think it's a bad
1: thing either no I mean I guess there's like a way you can interpret it being like okay but like the reason she's all powerful is because all the men came together blah, blah blah. but like I don't know I mean I don't really care like you know she was cool she was a feminist figure that's all that's enough for me and it's also interesting
0: about male figures giving life I just think that's interesting but then I you think know, you could also true, yeah analyze that men give life out of rage or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Which but, is, you know, moving on from that, It's yeah. she's the most important figure in this, you know? Not like Brahma or Shiva or anyone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though. So, yeah, Durga, as a goddess, and in relation to the story for defeating Mahishasura, is such a striking figure because she represents triumphing over disorder and evil. Though at the same time, she also represents destruction and violence. So, Nalima chitka writes in the Book of Durga, which is the book we referenced earlier, That's the one that you shipped to me. Mm -hmm. in this capacity of the goddess of destruction she reflects more than any other deity in india the notion that creation and destruction constitute an ongoing cyclical process as death and destruction take place it is but inevitable that new life will follow
0: yeah and that really follows like the theme of reincarnation right
1: yeah definitely Mm -hmm. and she also points out um mahisha represents pride and excess which is symbolized by the many forms he changes between as he is being killed by durga he like goes between like buffalo and like elephant lion, Hmm. etc. Durga killing him as he transforms between his various personalities and forms represents her ridding him of his many egos as one tenant of redemption is eradicating all forms of egoism within oneself.
0: Right. Yeah. The death
1: or defeat of a demon signifies purification and can represent their salvation. Cool, I like that. Yeah, thus Durga represents death and destruction, but the meaning is symbolically one of salvation, redemption and the continuation of samsara, the cycle of life, existence and death. Mm -hmm. in sanskrit there's a term dvesha bhakti which means hate devotion which represents the hindu belief that any contact with a deity whether it be in a negative or a positive context is beneficial yeah this is like pretty cool right yeah so durga defeats mahisha and ends his reign of terror but in doing so also leads him to salvation yeah i mean like part of his whole like deal was that he had so much pride and he like wanted to be immortal forever which was Like, went against the whole cycle of reincarnation that all, Mm -hmm. like, non-deity people had to go through. So Mm -hmm. he was, like, being led to back to the cycle of life and death.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's awesome that it wasn't, like, about destroying him. It was about redeeming him. Like, that's so cool.
1: Exactly. And the battle between Durga and Mahisha also represents a person's internal battle. Egoism, greed, and overconfidence.
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: makes a lot of sense yeah i think it's a beautiful way of thinking about it like rather than just like him being punished although it's also him being punished but like not to be like defeated forever
0: yeah and again like him being redeemed and then that representing your internal battle is like really meaningful because it's like you're not fighting to destroy parts of yourself you're fighting to like save parts of yourself and redeem parts of yourself and like that you can go back to the right path and that you're fundamentally able to be saved no matter how much you've messed up, which is really... yes. Really meaningful and cool.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, so her defeat of Mahishasura is definitely the most widely known and important of her stories, but she's also a powerful war deity who was invoked in many contexts. You read the Mahabharata, right? Most of it, yeah. Okay, do you remember her being mentioned? No, but there's a, oh, okay. there's a lot in <laughs> I think that. it was a relatively minor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very long. But, like, okay, so she appears in the Ramayana a very famous Indian epic where the hero Rama prays to her for strength in battle and she replies I am a manifestation of your energy whatever you wish to do I am at your command and she's also mentioned in the other of the two major Sanskrit epics the Mahabharata where the hero Arjuna prays to her to grant him victory in battle okay which is powerful because they're like men heroes yeah and they're men (laughs) like and they're praying to her because she's like the most like fierce and like destructive and like war deity out of everyone
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: I also want to mention that in recent years, there has been some controversy regarding Durga's iconography, where people have been questioning the story of Durga defeating Mahishasura. Really? Yeah, basically, Durga is typically depicted as fair skinned, potentially representing the Aryan race, whereas Mahishasura is typically depicted as dark skinned and is actually an indigenous native. Mm. According to this debate, in this view, it's not a story of good triumphing over evil, but rather of Aryans killing and dominating native inhabitants, Mm. specifically Adivasi communities, which is a collective term for indigenous tribes from the Indian subcontinent who make up about 8.6% of India's population. Okay, yeah. yeah. So there has been some pushback in recent years for a revaluation of Durga Puja and what it represents, especially within the context of the displacement of Adivasi peoples from their lands. Like we also talked about this in our Shiwangmu episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about how mythology can be used as an excuse by nationalists to justify displacement of minority groups, and how this shows a darker side of mythology. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, like the Shuang Wu it is because she was supposed to have belonged to Kunlun Mountain. So people in Kunlun Mountain, especially the Uyghur people, were like, they were told, like, this isn't your land, right?
0: Yeah, it basically, her, the legend saying that she lived on the Kunlun Mountain basically justified the Han Chinese claim that they had owned the Shenzhen province, which is Mm -hmm. the indigenous land of the weaker people for centuries as opposed to, like, a more recent imperial conquest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like as I said, it's sort of like a darker side of mythology. I think at the very least, this debate about Durga and Mahishasura presents an important question, which is who determines what is good and what is evil? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're, like, so sure that, like, Mahishasura represents evil because he's, like, egotistical and he's going up against the gods and he's, like, trying to defeat them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, like, obviously, I don't have a clear-cut answer. Um, I'm also not qualified To have Mm -hmm. an opinion, really. But I do think that's an important thing to consider when reading stories from mythology and folklore, and more broadly from literature and history as well that goodness and evil are often subjective, and that there are often multiple ways of looking at a given story. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important, I think, to mention when talking about Dura because, I mean, it's like it's been a debate in the last, like, I think 10 years. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's so easy to weaponize mythology and, you know, national stories and religions to justify oppression of groups of people.
1: Yeah, and like to be like conscious of that. Yeah. Like, obviously, we love mythology and it's Mm -hmm. so cool and interesting, but Mm -hmm. it can also, like you said, be weaponized and and symbolize something rather negative, like like nationalism.
0: Mythology is used in so many nationalist movements across like Europe especially and obviously we talked about in China and so
1: I think you mentioned also in Finland as well with the Kalevala.
0: Yes, although that's more of like um an anti-colonial thing but like I'm sure it's also like I I don't know the current state of it but like in the late okay. 1800s it was more of like anti-colonized Russian like colonial holding of Finland but anyway.
1: Well that makes sense. But I think you also mentioned that it was rather unkind to Sami peoples. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Right, yeah, because the Kalevala sort of posits the Finns against the Sami people and sort of depicts the Sami as, like, stupid against the magician Finns and stuff. Yeah, which is,
1: like, is obviously harmful because the Sami people are, like, actively oppressed in Finland and Sweden and Norway. Yeah. And just generally, like, using minority groups being like, well, this justifies them being, like, oppressed or whatever, or, like, just generally sometimes you have to, like, look into stuff and be like, okay, well, why is this the case? Like, why is Durga Mm -hmm. depicted as being like so light skin, whereas yeah. it just being like dark-skinned like I said not my debate like but it do but I did want to mention it because I think it's important
0: yeah and it's also important to consider like no matter how much you love a story even if you see that it's being used to perpetuate harmful beliefs and actions yeah you have to
1: reevaluate your relationship to it your
0: relationship with it and if it's really a story that's worth like holding, like on, holding to. on to yeah yeah <laughs> <Ha>! <laughs> Yeah, thank you for this episode. That was really interesting. And if you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell all your friends, and we'll be back here in two weeks with another episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. The Ladies Podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thank you for listening. See you next time.